All right. I think that we are ready to get going, so welcome everybody to church. We'll get you in the room to get back to your seats. We'd like to welcome everybody who is online. Say welcome to Colwood Church. My name is Sean. I'm one of the pastors here on this team. It is great to have you here today. Now, music was pretty good this morning, don't you think? I mean, that was pretty, pretty decent. One of the unique features of this this morning that I just want to kind of pinpoint is that Devin, actually, that was his first time leading us uh, as a church. That's pretty good. So congratulations to Allison because he's not in the room right now, but uh, it is good. Now, this morning, I'd like to take you back to your childhood a little bit. I'd like to engage your intellect. So turn to your neighbor and say, get smart right now, like, like <laughs> just get smart. Uh, and, and by doing that, I, I'm going to take us back to these things called riddles. Anybody a fan of riddles? Be, like, uh, okay, I've got a riddle here for you today. Let's figure out if you know. It says this, whoever makes it tells it not. Whoever takes it, knows it not. Whoever knows it, wants it not. Okay, let's do another one as you think about it. Uh, (laughs) People need me, and yet they give me away every day. What am I? Um, Here's another one. What, What has a head, a tail, is brown, but has no legs. Penny. The first riddle, I know you said, what was it again? Whoever makes it, tells it not. Whoever takes it, knows it not. Whoever knows it, wants it not. Counterfeit money. And then, of course, what goes further, the slower it goes. Money. And, and Jesus actually had something to say about this thing called money. And it says this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. It says that no one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot, somebody say cannot. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Everybody's favorite topic, (laughs) money. Let's pray. Father, thank you for money. Thank you that you um, help us with this as well and that you speak about it in your word. So teach us today is what I pray to the glory of the Father through Jesus Christ the Son. We pray these things in his name. And everybody said, Amen. Today, I would like to speak to us from the subject, living is greater than giving. Yeah, you got that right. Aren't you a pastor? Aren't you should, you, shouldn't you be saying giving is the most? No, no, no. Living is greater than giving. And I'd like to pitch a case around that. As um, we are now post-Easter, we are walking into a brand new series called Money Matters. Um, we all know this about money. Money is absolutely no respecter of people. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. It, it, it just doesn't care. But money is no respecter of people. We know a couple of things about money is that everybody needs it. Yes, right? Um, everybody talks about money. Everybody argues about money. 
everybody plans about money. How many of you would like more money? I mean, we, we know what the drill is here, but money affects absolutely all. In our culture today, we are seeing an increasing pressure. Have you noticed this? Have you maybe felt it with your own situation and circumstance? There are pressures happening all around us from the inflation that we see to the recessions that are potentially looming around us. We've noticed interest rates rising. Lisa and I, we made a, a, a trip to the bank a couple of months ago because our mortgage was over. It was due. It was up. We were paying at this percentage years ago. Then we suddenly had to lock in at this percentage, and the gap in between was a lot of money that we had not budgeted nor were we ready for. And I think that many of us here today, whether it is your own mortgage or trying to even find a house in this market, or whatever it is, we know that there is pressure around us with money. There is an increase happening all around, and anxiety and fear is at an optimal high these days. And I understand what some of you may be thinking, okay, here we go again. We're going to talk about money in church. Is that the only thing that you pastors know what to do? And, and I totally understand that because I think that some of the pitch when it comes to the money has always been wrapped around, I'm going to fear you, I'm going to shame you into moments, I'm going to tell you that you've got to do it more, that you're not enough. And I think many of us here today are just like, leave me alone. Don't talk about my money. That is one thing that you cannot touch in my life. And I often believe that when I've heard communication from a stage in regards to church and money, it's often come across as a very negative thing, like you're not enough, you need to do more. But I don't really want to take that posture in this series whatsoever. In fact, what I want to do is I want to take a posture with money and I want to look at it in a, in a very positive lens. And I actually think that the scriptures speak to us from the positivity of what could happen. So when it comes to you and I, here are two things that I, I know about us. Number one, money is going to affect us all. It's going to influence you. And number two, and this is what I believe, and that I believe that you want to be generous. I believe every single one of you in this room, space under the sound of my voice, you want to be generous. So although we see you know, the approach of why are we going to start talking about money in church? Well, number one, because we are all culturally feeling the pressure of it. And the second piece that I would navigate today with you is this, is that the scriptures are very clear about an inerrant connection between a person's spiritual life, attitudes, and actions concerning money and possessions. So there's your why. That's why we are going to jump into this series called Money Matters. But as I have said, I'm going to approach it from a positive point of view rather than a negative or that you are not enough. And so to do that over these next few weeks, let me give you the outline. We're going to talk about your money, my money. We're going to talk about what it means, but we're going to do it in the language of this. How many of you here today would like to have victory in your finances today? Anybody want that for yourself? How many of you would love to know the rewards of biblical finance when done properly in your life? Anybody want to do that? One person. All right. The rest of you, I'm sorry. You're missing out on something really important here. But victory and reward, we're going to talk about those things over the next several weeks. 
And then we're going to land on a Q&A session on the last Sunday morning of the series. And so what I'm going to ask you to do is you may have a question. You may have a rebuttal with something that is being spoken about over these next three weeks. Then I want you to pull out your phone. I want you to text the word money, all right? It doesn't mean you're sending us money. It just means that you text the word money to 250-478-7113. You may have a question that you have, you want to ask. And so if you'll do that, get that ready. We're going to engage in more of an interactive way uh, four weeks from today. It's going to be fantastic, and we're looking forward to it. So as we jump into this uh, idea of money matters, let me tell you a little bit about Jesus. Jesus's favorite subject in the entire Bible was the subject of the kingdom of God. It was something that he was really passionate about talking about. But do you want to know what Jesus talked about the second most in his conversations with people? You guessed it already. What is it? Money, 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 money. He made the song, believe it or not. Anyway, uh, so he talked about it. In fact, in the Gospels, first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus, one in every 10 verses, Catch that. One in every 10 verses, he was speaking about money and possessions for a total of 288 specific references to it. In the Bible, we see that there are around 500 verses on prayer. How many of you believe prayer is a good thing for your life? There's just under 500 verses for the subject of faith, another good thing. But then there are over 2,300 references to money and possessions. It's as if the Bible has something to say about what is happening. In fact, I would propose to you and I today is that your money, whether you think you got a lot or a little, your money is everything to do with a discipleship issue with Jesus. He wants your money. He doesn't need it. He wants it. And he has given everybody something to work with when it comes to this money. And as we learned already this morning in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus himself says to you and I both, you cannot serve me, you cannot serve God, as well as serve your money. Which indicates to me today when I read that is that you and I try to serve both God and money. But Jesus is saying, "Eh -eh, it cannot happen. So what I want to do when it comes to money here today is I don't want to just talk about giving. I want to talk about living. That is why I phrase this message, living is greater than giving. So you can all relax right now. I'm not asking you to give more. Jesus may, but Sean is not. I'm asking you to look at the way you live because the living is greater than the giving. The giving is just an aspect an avenue of what Jesus can and do through you and I today. And when I look at the lens of Scripture, here are the things that I see when we biblically pay attention to our money and why it is so important in Jesus' eyes and why he is demanding it from us as well is that you will have a freedom in your life. You will have individual victory. Corporately together, we're going to have victories together. It increases your discipleship to Jesus. And so what I'm going to do for our remaining minutes here today is I would like to propose to us one reality and two lifestyles. And this reality is very critical to our understanding of money matters today. And then we'll look at the lifestyles that will happen. 
And each of the points that I'm about to communicate to us today, I want you to see this. It's more grandeur than just money. For instance, Jesus has given us a lot more things than just money. He's given you time, energy, a job. He's given you tons of resources, but for the sake of our conversation over these next weeks, we're going to talk about the money part of it because it is important to Jesus. And so we want to lift those things together, and I want us to have a biblical grounding in what we're about to do. So the first reality, that, or it's the only reality, actually. The one reality that I want you to see is this, Jireh. Somebody say Jireh. Jireh comes to us out of Genesis chapter 22. It is a very familiar story to those who have spent some time in the Word of God, and it has to do around this gentleman whose name was Abraham. Abraham is known as the father of all nations. It all started with Abraham. And here in this story, as, as Abraham is growing with God, God says, Abraham, if you're going to be the father of all, I need you to sacrifice your only son. It's a cool picture, actually, of what we celebrated last week with Easter in God sacrificing his only son for our sins so that he, he's going to do this with Isaac. They go on this journey, and they get onto the mountain where they're supposed to be, and as Abraham is about to raise whatever it was to kill his son, his one and only son, who God said, I'm going to build you through the father of nations, the one and only son that you've got, it then shows us that in the background, in a thicket of bushes, there is a ram that is caught. And so what Abraham does under God's permission is he exchanges his son for the ram, places him on there, kills him. And it is there where Abraham makes this declaration, this name of God known as Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. And that statement right there is so fundamental to our theology as we move forward. In fact, there is a problem, though, with this concept of Jehovah Jireh, God is our provider, because oftentimes we think that God's provision is as if He is a waiter in our lives, and we could place our orders with Him. Have you ever tried that before? I know I have. And you want to know how successful it is? Not that much. But it's as if we look at God and like, okay, you're the God who provides, so... You know, like, let me, we do all of these pieces, but that's not how God often works. In fact, I have learned this about God, is that what I think I want, he more than likely will give me something different else. Because of his title of Jireh, he knows what I need, not what I think I may need. Now, this identity of God although it is given to us in Genesis chapter 22, really takes us back to the very beginning of the entire book, Genesis chapter 1, where we see this about Jireh. We see that Jireh is a very generous God. We see that Jireh is a very abundant God, and we look at that in the creation story. And out of that story, want to know one of the other things about this Jireh that is so neat is he made the person who is sitting right beside you today like he wanted a relationship with human beings. And so out of his abundance and out of his generosity, he created that person today that is there right now beside you. 
It is in his abundance. It is in his generosity that we can stand and make the declaration that he indeed is Jehovah Jireh. But it's more than just identity. It has everything to do with the character of who God is. And if you miss this, you miss who God is. And it is wrapped up into this statement. God wants to provide for you. He will provide for you. Why? Because it's his character. It's what he does. So Jireh is in front of us today. We cannot ignore this reality for us all. And I could prove this to you by a couple of things when I look at his provision in our lives. Number one, Matthew chapter six, it says that he is going to provide even for the birds of the air. And I've really struggled with this verse in my life. If you've been here before and you've heard me do this, I like my lawn. I do all these things with my lawn. And then there's these thing called birds and they come and eat my bird seed. And I want nothing more to get rid of these birds because they're a nuisance. But God says, I see them. I see the flowers of the field. How much more am I going to do it for my creation though of human? The sad part is this, is that I actually have to seed my lawn this week. And I am not looking forward to it now because of what I see here. But John 10.10 says us that there's abundant life that comes from God. Again, this is who Jireh is. Philippians 4.19, do not miss this one. It says that my God shall supply all my needs. Not some of my needs. It says all. See, he sees you. He knows what you're walking through. He sees the financial climate that we are walking in right now. And he still says to you, I still am Jireh, and I will supply all of your needs in your life. And some of us today, you may be in the space today where you're like, I don't deserve the blessing of God. Like, if you know me, if you know what's going on in me, I just don't deserve it. But please forgive me with this. It don't matter what you think because it's who he is. So you may be feeling something, and I've often said feelings aren't factual all the time. And the reality is, is when we look at the lens of scripture, he is still Jireh. He is still the provider. So no matter what is going on around you, he is able. In fact, when I told you moments ago about the grandeur of who God is. Like today, perhaps you're here and, and you need shelter in, in your life. Maybe you need comfort today. Maybe you need a healing. Maybe you need wisdom for something. Like this is what Jireh is all about. He is the God who provides. And although we're taking it to the lens of our money today, I need you to see this, is that God owns it all. He owns everything. That what you have right now today, it's not because you worked for it, it's because he gave it to you. And we have to understand that when he gives us something, what he is looking for is our response to it. And so this will be an important platform for us to look at today. Now, there are two types of mindsets when it comes to money that I want us to be aware of today. Number one is that you can have an abundance mindset or you can have a scarcity mindset. So let me explain. Everybody take your hands. Do this. Scarcity. So what we do is we hold everything tight when it comes to our money. Nobody can touch it. Nobody can do anything with it. I live in fear. I live in anxiety because of the things of my money, and it is around. But it's something really interesting when you open your hands, and when you allow generosity and abundance to flow through you, 
It is here where we say, okay, God, although this is uncomfortable, although I do not understand, nor do I get it, I live in an ability of freedom at this moment when my hands are open and my mindset is shifted to the things of God. Now, I have experienced this scarcity abundance mindset big time this, this last year in my own life. Moments ago, I alluded to mine and Lisa's personal financial story with you a little bit. That's been hard. But another weight that I get to carry is the church's finances. So when everything is happening in culture with all of you, we also see its effect here. And I have had to watch this happen with our finances, even from a church. Now, I'm not here to talk about this because it's quite irrelevant. But in some of the conversation that I'm having with God through this, I'm recognizing a couple of things. And, and so God and I have a fun relationship. And it was as if at one time, God is just, he, he kind of speaks and he's like, hey, Sean, I didn't realize that your name was Jira too. <laughs> and it was a smack across the head for me. Because what I was recognizing is I was trying to control things that I cannot control. I was living in fear of what culture was doing through you to us as if it had anything to do with you anyway. And I was holding like this, and God was like, you've got to let this go, because your name is not Jira. Mine is. And I am the only one that could move my people and allow your church to do whatever you need it to do. And I had to open my hands. But I understand the scarcity, abundance mindset, and it has crept in big time as the financial pressures have risen this last year. But here I am to declare to you today, he is still Jaira, and he is still the one that's going to provide for you, for us, for this church, so that we can see the gospel of Jesus Christ move in this community. You see, when we understand who the provider is, that he is in control, and we are not the perspective changes. So in this first reality of Jaira, let me ask you a question. Do you believe that God is the provider financially for your life? Or do you think you have something to do with it? Is he the provider? So knowing that he is the provider, fundamental theology it moves us to two lifestyles that I'd like to present to you and I today. The first lifestyle is the lifestyle of stewardship. And this story for us today comes out of Matthew 25. Jesus is telling one of the parables about money and possessions, and this is what he says. He says, there was a master who was going away on a journey, so he calls in three servants. And to each of those three servants, he gives a large portion of cash is a large sum of money, and it was, it, the parable is called the, ta- the parable of the talents. One, par- one talent was equivalent, catch this, one talent was equivalent as what historians are showing us as about 20 years of a day's laborer's wage. One talent. That's a lot of money. So the first servant gets five talents, equivalent to 100 years of service. That's a large amount of money, don't you think? The second servant is given two talents. So again, you could put that math together. The third servant was given one talent. The master goes away. Master comes back. And he asks these servants, what did you do with my money? And this is what happens. The first and the second servant, they went and invested the money. They did whatever they needed to do, and they brought double the return to their master. That was good news. Turns to the third servant. He says, what did you do with yours? Well, I actually hid the money. 
I, like I, I, I was afraid of what could happen, maybe the climate and the culture around me, I hit it, and then there was a reaction there as well. The point of this parable, though, lands here. The parable shows us that Jesus has endowed all of his disciples with an investment. He has endowed everybody with cash and monetary means, all of us. No one is excluded here. He has given all of us this, but what Jesus wants out of this is for us to make a return on it. What he is looking for here today is your diligence in stewarding the money that he has given to you. Now again, like I said, we could look at the parable of the talents in respects to your time, your energy, your house, your car, your resources. It is grander than. But in this particular moment as we engage this topic of money, what Jesus is saying, what are you doing with the money that I have given to you? Now, to fulfill this idea of being diligent stewards together, we have to understand that there is a master. Let me ask you again. Is your master God or is your master your money? Again, Jesus reminds us, it cannot be both. So you are going to have to choose. And what this shows us in this text is that when it comes to your money, it is probably one of your most beautiful actions when it comes to this thing called worship. Money is worship. What you do with that money matters to Jesus, and he is looking for you to align it to him. This parable shows all of us today that we are all given something. All of us. No one is excluded from this moment, young or old. You're all given something. The question is, what will you do with it? Also shows me that money will be given to you in proportion to your ability. Why did the master give this one servant five talents? Because that servant was able to handle it. And there are some of you in this space today, you are the five-talent servant. Jesus in you are good with money. You know what to do with it, and you do well with it. It's great. Some of us are the two-talent person, and then some of us are over here as well, and we're the one-talent person, and some of us don't know necessarily what to do with it, but God is giving you, in proportion to your abilities, money. What will you do with it in your stewardship? Now, let me go back to the scarcity abundance mindset just for a quick moment. Two of the servants lived in an abundance mindset. They invested, they took that idea of stewarding and they did it well. And yet over here, there was the one steward who had scarcity. I was afraid. I didn't know what to do. And so I did this. And we get to see this actually in play and in action with these individuals. Now, this is what stewardship is. Stewardship has everything to do with managing what God has given to you. He has given all of us money. His question is, what are you doing with it? And how are you honoring me in worship when it comes to it? To say this, that finance becomes the clearest indicator of whether or not we are building God's kingdom or our own. It matters that much to him. I like what Charles Spurgeon says to us today. God will not ask what your church did. He will ask what you did yourself. 
So your stewardship matters big time today. And I want you to understand and see that. Over here, you want to know what the response of the master was? Good and faithful servant, come into my joy. Over here, he looked at that scarcity and that mindset of that servant, and he said, you are lazy and wicked. What would Jesus' response to you be today when it comes to the stewarding of the money that you have given? So my question to us is currently, in my stewardship, do I have an abundance or a scarcity mindset? And I'll let you wrestle with that. So knowing that we've got Jehovah Jireh, knowing that we need to be a diligent steward of the financial resource that God has given to us, let's move to the second lifestyle, and it is this, generosity. In Luke chapter 21, we're given a beautiful story about this widow, and this is what it reads. While Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts into the collection box, to the offering plate. Then a poor widow comes by, and she drops in two small coins. So Jesus says, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all the rest of them, for they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything that she has. You see, our next step when we understand stewardship is to then live a life of generosity. Oftentimes, people want to put those two words together, but they're very separate in their approach. Stewardship is about managing what God has given to you. Generosity is about seeing the need and doing something about it. And so we get to step into that through the eyes and the lens of this widow. She shows us what needs to happen in this space of generosity. She shows us that in her lack and a lot of nothingness that she can sacrificially give and it makes a difference to Jesus. So again, the thing that we need to learn about sometimes in these stories, like in the parable of the, the, parable of the talent, I mean, Jesus was not looking for how much they'd give to him. They were just looking, he was looking to see if they would respond in stewardship. Over here, it had nothing to do because the rich people were dropping in their stuff and this poor widow gives out of... So don't get lost on the amount piece of it right now. Jesus is simply looking for lifestyles of stewardship and generosity from you. The what and the how and the how much... We can deal with that later, but I told you that we're not talking about that today. The antonym of generosity. Begrudging. Petty. Greedy stingy. Do not put up your hand if this describes the person beside you today. (laughs) But like, if these are things that illustrate you when it comes to this idea of generosity, pay attention because Jesus is looking for a generous person. That widow depicts that for us. I want us to know today that generosity is the way of Jesus. So much so that in Acts chapter 20, we read that it is more blessed to give than to receive. In Luke chapter 6, give and it will be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, spilling over. Do not misunderstand this. It doesn't mean that if you get 20 bucks, you're about to get 40. God doesn't work in that currency. He may see something completely different that you need, but what he is looking for is simply your generosity. In Proverbs 22, does anybody want to be blessed in their life today? And it says that a blessed man or woman will be blessed, or a generous man or woman will be blessed. Generosity, it links us again back to the garden story. 
It links us back to the beginning in a God who was very generous, who sacrificed and gave everything that he's got. Remember when I said moments ago that I believe this about you today, that you will be affected by money and that you want to be a generous person? You want to know why I say that? It's because God created you. And guess what that means is that the generosity of the creator, that DNA, guess where it lives? In you. It's there. And we want to be a generous people because our Father is that we were made to be generous people. And the beauty about, you know, understanding something from a biblical perspective is, is looking at something like science. And science proves even to all of us here today that whether psychological or social or biological factors, when it comes to your generosity, that you have a better quality of life, that you have vitality, you have overall happiness. People who are generous, they have more joy in their lives. Science proves that generosity actually matters. And then obviously Jesus stamps it and says, yeah, be generous. That's a no-brainer today. So here's my question to you. What would leading a stronger, generous life look like for you in this next season? What would Jesus say to you about the money that you have and the generosity that you could live and walk in? Now, I'll finish here. Ultimately, we together, we struggle with stewardship and generosity due to one word, one word, and it's called distrust. Or perhaps in brackets, we could put control. Because we want to control it. And God, I don't actually trust you right now. I mean, I could imagine the story Lisa and I were having about our house and a mortgage. I mean, that's tough stuff. And yet, am I going to try to control it? Or am I going to trust Jesus the way he asks me to trust him today? In all of the economic pressure that is rising all around us, let me ask you, who are you going to trust? Are you going to try to trust your money and hold on to it and try to dictate and control? Or will you say, God, I don't understand what's going on right now, but I have to trust you because you are the one. Remember, Jesus says you can't serve both me and the money. Pick and choose which one you want to choose. So this is what I'm encouraging you to do as we walk into this week. I want you to pray. I want you to ask God, what do you want to shift in my life when it comes to the money that you've given me? What do you need me to do? And let me encourage you that no matter what he says to you, his name is Jaira. He is still the one who provides. He is the one that you need to trust. And out of that, may your stewardship and your generosity be at an all-time high as we walk further into 2023 because he is Jaira, the God who provides. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you challenge us when it comes to our money. I know I cannot serve today both God and money. Father, I pray that you will help us all wrestle through, do I have an abundance mentality mindset or do I have a scarcity mindset? And help us to lay that in front of you, to not try to want to control the money or to own it, but to say, this is yours. You've given it to me anyway, and so I'm going to trust you, Jaira, as the provider of all. And so I invite you to help us, Father, because we need your help. 
You also said that when we need wisdom, we are to ask for it. So Jaira, I'm asking that you provide wisdom to us in all of our financial stories. They're all different. They're all, they've got different avenues and angles to it. But nonetheless, you are Lord over it all. Help us this week to understand that living is greater than giving. And these lifestyles of stewardship and generosity will bring a blessing upon all blessings. Help us to see that, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, you may be sitting here today, you may be online with us as well, and maybe you've never made this decision to step into a relationship with Jesus. And one of our invitations every single week is we do not want you to miss that opportunity of knowing Jesus Christ, who died for you, rose again, and loves you. He's got a plan for you. And uh, what we invite you to is that if you'd like, the pastor would love to come alongside of you to speak with you and to tell you a little bit more about Jesus, that you would text the word LIFE to 250-478-7113, and we will love that journey uh, to, to be alongside of you with that. So please make sure that you take that if that is for you today. If you're brand new in the room today, make sure that you get back to the Welcome Center where Pastor James is there waiting to see you, give you a hug or whatever it is, uh, but it'll be good. As you walk into this week, like we said, you got questions about money, text it in. Text the word money to that same number, ask your questions. But as you go, just know, his name is Jaira. He provides, he's in charge. Now go be stewards and live a generous life and we'll see what he does with it. Amen? All right, church, we love you. We'll have a good week. We'll see you next week.